0: Yo, 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 what's going on, you guys? This is your host, Brandon. And this is Blake. And this is your favorite video game podcast, the Sticky Binds Podcast. We're coming at you with the 70th episode today. Big number. Damn, that's crazy. That's crazy. 70, man. We've come quite a ways. <laughs> we really have. 70 episodes in. That's more than most shows get get in. Yeah. It's pretty good. Yeah.
1: Hey, pat yourself on the back, man. We did it. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess before we get started, I just wanted to give a huge shout out to Edgar and Mark from last week's episode. I took the week off, so I really appreciate them stepping in to fill my shoes. And man, I'm sorry I missed it because that sounded like such a fun episode, (laughs) but I'll have to have them back on, man. It's nice to hear they're both Spider-Man fans. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe we could make something happen there. I don't know.
0: We'll see. Stay tuned. Stay tuned, Sticky Buttons <laughs> podcast fans. We got some some special coming your way. But yeah, man, it was a lot of fun to record that episode. Big shout out to both Mark and Edgar for coming through in a timely manner. We made a great episode. I'm
1: really proud of it. So yeah, yeah, that was awesome. I actually, I went out to the mountains, Hunter Mountain in New York and caught some fresh snow. So i got some fresh tracks on the mountain. So Thank you. Really appreciate it. And shout out
0: to Blake for his birthday. You know, another... Shout out
1: to you for your birthday, man. Happy birthday. That's true. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Another revolution around the sun. Hey, we made it. And we're back for another episode.
1: (laughs) And we've got some great video games today. Do you think we should just kick it right off, Brandon? We should kick it right off. Let's get right into it. All right. Well, I'm going to be bringing this game to the table today called Sable. Have you heard of Sable before?
0: I think you might have brought it up on the podcast maybe once or twice. It sounds
1: familiar. Well, I will say I've been really, really excited to check out this game and to talk about it on the show. I kind of put off playing it because the Epic Game Store, they had a a promotion where they kind of gave it away for free, and I knew I was getting a Steam Deck, so I decided to wait instead of buying it on my PlayStation It recently came to the PlayStation at the end of 2022 and was on Xbox and PC for pretty much a whole year. It was like exclusive and then it came to the PlayStation and I was going to buy it on the PlayStation, but then I got the copy for free from the Epic Game Store and then I got a Steam Deck. So I've been playing it on my Steam Deck, which has been really cool because at first when I first booted it up, this is just kind of unrelated to the game, but... It's more about like PC gaming. I was really struggling to get the game to run well. And I ended up, I was like changing my Steam Deck settings and trying to optimize my GPU better. And I ended up <laughs> ended up not even being all that technical. All I had to do is go into the game settings, like the graphic settings in the game menu. And I just had to change the resolution and it worked like a dream. So just some small fixes there. And it was just, it took it from running okay. I guess took it running from like a modern Switch game to a A AAA title. So it was really fun. Just kind of tinkering with that and figuring that out. And that's something I've never had to do before. Like go into the graphic settings yeah. in a game. and
0: That's always fun when you can like make an experience better in a video game by just changing a setting or two. You know, it's mm-hmm. just, it makes it all the more better.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's interesting that, I was able to do that. I've never had to do that before, especially like I've pretty much just been a console gamer. So step into the PC world. <laughs> but I mean, this game is actually really cool and I'm so glad that I'm checking it out. So in this story, you play a sable and you're a girl from a nomadic society and you leave your home to fulfill the coming of age ritual of your society called the gliding. And in this society, everyone's face is covered and everyone wears a mask. And your mask signifies your profession. And all masks are unique, but they have certain characteristics depending on which profession you choose. Oh, wow. And at the end of your gliding, you choose a mask and then it's going to be formed. And that is what you will dedicate your working life to is that profession. So you could be a fisher. You could be a merchant you could be a chartographer which are these people that fly around and they map the world and they travel in these fantastical blimps you could also be part of the security force become a peacekeeper or you could become a mechanist kind of like mechanist both a little twist to it <laughs> and they fix up old machines in tech and they believe that all components fit together not by chance, but by nature. And among the Mechanist clan, they believe that all machines have held their names for ages, but are unheard by those who are unequipped to listen. Interesting. And I just thought that was fascinating. So <laughs> I'm definitely, I'm leaning towards picking the Mechanist. I think that, I don't know, the story kind of feels like it's pulling me in that way. And I'm just naturally drawn to, to that clan. You don't
0: initially pick a role. You kind of, over time, you play the game and pick one up.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So this game's really all about exploration and experiencing all of it. So in order to get your mask, you have to, I guess, fulfill quests or, I guess, do certain objectives in order to get, it's like a token. And then when you get a token, once you get three tokens from a clan, then you can form a mask. So, for example, like, the merchants, you just have to buy them. Like, if you want to be a merchant and you want to be a part of the merchant clan, you just have to purchase them. Which <laughs> is it's kind of shallow, but it's like, of course you would just buy them. Right. Like, the fisher, you have to, like, complete objectives by fishing for different fish in the game. And, you know, really, at the core of this game, it's really about the setting. And mm. this game takes place in this fantastical pastel world that is clearly inspired by the works of Jean Girard and the mobius comics and this is one of my favorite art styles which is why i was so excited to pick up this game and when i saw the trailers it was like an indie game one of my favorite comic art styles i'm like sign me up but i truly i can't do it justice it is just such an evocative art style like please do yourself a favor and google either gene Girard or mobius art or sable and just take a look at the art style and I actually found a good reference so I'll put that in the show notes as well but just these I mean actually if you want to take a look at those images Brandon in the dock like they're really cool in that kind of art style I did clearly a huge inspiration for this
0: game. I did google it I'm looking at some of the artwork right now and it definitely seems like some artwork you might have shown me in the past Yeah
1: it's very like sci-fi
0: uh, yeah, past telly I'm also seeing that Google gave this game 90% of Google users like this video game, which I think is a really <laughs> high rating. It's a lot of Google users, but it also got a nine out of 10 on Steam. And I guess my question is would you agree with that rating?
1: Oh, absolutely, man. This game is incredible, and I'm so happy that I'm checking it out. I guess just to get back to it, like the setting is really the star here. And it's just so amazing just to be in this world. And through the beginning of the story, you're gifted a hover bike. And this is your main way of traversing the world. And you just get on your hover bike and you begin your journey and you just go. And you just take off and explore this beautiful world. And as you go, there's just the dust just flying behind you and you go through the deserts and the jungles and you just go and you just stop as you wish, explore as you wish, travel as you wish, and you just experience it. And while you're there, there's just this absolutely beautiful soundtrack by Japanese breakfast. That's playing as your journey begins and the game is just so peaceful and it's truly your own journey. And I think it's incredible.
0: I see one of the beginner tips here is to customize your bike parts early. What have you customized your bike parts and if so what kind of
1: customizations not, have not you? Not at all. I'm scared to. <laughs> okay. So maybe I'll heed this tip just because I haven't really changed it up too much, just because the bike parts are surprisingly expensive. This game doesn't really have much of an economy. I guess you kinda you find things around and then you can sell them. And then you can occasionally buy either tokens or map pieces or bike parts and i haven't really spent any of my money just because i i found it so hard to come by just because i have just been exploring this world i found a lot of this other it's not really a currency but it's like another type of currency and you use it to upgrade your stamina wheel which i guess i'll talk about that in a second
0: okay i also see that there is no main quest so they're encouraging you to explore freely. How have you kind of felt with that dynamic of the game?
1: I just go. I mean you truly like once you get on your hover bike, I mean the world is so big and vast, and it's just so peaceful that i've just been I've just been going I've just been experiencing it just seeing it and if I see something that intrigues me, I just jump off my bike and climb it or explore it and I've just been just completely letting go and just experiencing it for what it is. And actually, I find this story to be incredibly evocative because as a young adult, I left the Midwest, moved to New York City, and I find the character very relatable. And you have to find your own path. You know, and the unknown can be scary, but just because there's going to be challenges, or just because there's going to be challenges, that doesn't mean that the journey is not worth taking. And I just think it's just... Such a good message, and I just, I really love just getting on the bike and going. But I really wanted to compare this game to Breath of the Wild because, so this is an indie game that was published in September of 21. And like I said, it was Xbox and PC exclusive for a year, and then it came to PlayStation. And I think parts of it are really inspired by Breath of the Wild And I think that it succeeds where Breath of the Wild sometimes fails. So we've talked about it a lot in the show. I think that Breath of the Wild, there's a lot of combat. And a lot of the game's charm is manipulating the physics system to solve puzzles and use your own creativity in combat. But this game doesn't have any combat. It's all about the exploration. And one of the direct comparisons that I want to make there's like a stamina icon kind of like a stamina wheel in breath of the wild where you start climbing and you see this wheel go down as you get tired and you can only climb to a certain height and that's based on your stamina wheel and in this one it's kind of the same thing but where this differs is there's also a glider and when you you jump off of a cliff in breath of the wild that uses your stamina your gliding uses your stamina but in this game it doesn't. And the gliding is, it's basically this psychedelic sphere that is kind of powered by a gliding stone. is kind of like the namesake for this ritual. And it really aids the exploration because you can just jump off a cliff and glide forever or until you reach the ground. And it's really awesome. And it's just so cool. I- I'm
0: looking at the art right now of the glider. It looks Great, like the bright red just emitting out of the back of the hovercraft. Does the hovercraft stay the same? Or I'm, I'm assuming you can probably like sell metal scraps for new a new one, right?
1: Yeah, I think that the glider stays the same. Or I'm sorry, the hover bike, I think it stays the same, but you can change parts of it. Yeah, I okay. think that my hope is that it makes it go faster, but I don't really know, I'm not sure. It's just because I haven't I actually really like the design of the original hoverbike that you're given and I've just been kind of scared to, or not scared I just trepidatious to get rid of that look because I, I really yeah. like that look of it because I think it's really iconic but I guess I just had like a little bit of my experience that I wanted to share and then we can move on to your game but in this in my journey I came across this city in the middle of the desert and as I kind of approached kind of seemed like there were riots in the streets And there was like strife and turmoil. And you talk to the peacekeepers and you come to find out that the power core to the city was stolen. And the security forces or peacekeepers task you to find out who stole the power and to find a replacement. Because you're the only person in the city who's unbiased. And I won't spoil it, but I just think it's really cool. And the depth of this game is fascinating because it's clearly a peaceful experience in every way meant for you to just explore it and you know you're a child and you're set free to explore this world but there's still crime and greed and corruption those who seek power i just think it has a good message that even as a child you're still confronted with these and you have to overcome these pressures right and i really just think it is a beautiful coming of age story and it's just set in the like absolute coolest art style I could imagine
0: <laughs> yeah I agree that art style is just I don't know something else I'm looking at a video I mean an image right now of the craft going through like what seems to be the Grand Canyon and it just looks so cool
1: yeah and the music is really awesome as well I think I'm gonna put some in I'm gonna try and edit some in somewhere but I just thought it was so the music I just love the music I love the art too but <laughs> This game is absolutely worth playing, and I I haven't really felt this way about a game in a while, and I just want to, like, I want to be playing it, I want to share it, and I just think it's so cool. Thanks for bringing it to the pod. I guess I have one more question.
0: I see that yeah, absolutely. it's running on Unity, which is a great engine that's been around for a while. I think it's running on the newest version of Unity. Mm-hmm. How does it feel as far as, like, a game running on Unity? Does it? Are there any, like things that you wish could be improved upon?
1: You know, funny that you mentioned that. I don't, but I did when I first booted it up. When I first booted it up, I had some a little bit of performance issues, like I said, and then I was able to go into the settings and tweak it. I had thought it was my device and not the game settings. So I guess if you play this on PC, definitely go into the game settings and try to just change the resolution to fit the screen that you're using a little bit better. And maybe try a different size. And I think when this game first came out in 2021, it didn't review very well in the beginning. I mean, like you said, it's got nine on Steam. Yeah, I, I actually
0: see some of those really bad reviews. Like first, yeah. someone gave it two stars and they said technical issues, as most people point out. But also many people seem to love the visuals. I do not see what they were going for. And oh, this person didn't like the visuals. I'm not even going to read the
1: rest <laughs> of that. They said it gave him a headache. Well, when I first booted up, it was very choppy. I think that this game, it is, I mean, like, truly, like, the world is just ginormous. So it does take a lot to run it. And it did take some tweaking for me to get it to be better optimized for my device. And I think that's why it took so long to come to PlayStation. Because I think they were trying to optimize it for the console, the consoles that it was coming to. So it is an indie game. There's not a lot of stuff in the environment, but the environment itself is humongous. So I think that that's where, like if you play it as soon as it comes out, like you're going to have some of these issues, but in today's day and age, I mean, they've updated it. They've released it on new platforms. Like what you're getting now is essentially a much better version of the game than it would be if somebody picked it up around launch, which I think is another reason, you know, why we're here, Brandon. Is just because, you know, so many people in, you know, gaming culture, they just pick up the game when it first comes out and everything's just tied to the release date. Yeah. And like, I mean, I'm benefiting from playing this game a year, year or two after it's come out and I'm just having an incredible experience with it. So these issues, these technical issues were very prevalent when it launched, but I haven't really experienced it after I was able to fix my settings.
0: There's benefits of being a late adopter. I remember learning in marketing Mm -hmm. like there are different stages and you're adopting this game later in the cycle. So, you know, there were a lot of updates probably. It's it's interesting. It's also interesting to see how marketing had such a powerful effect onto... It's kind of like attached to release dates and that's such a big deal with games. Like, oh, it sold X when it first came out. Same thing with movies. Like movies sold X... or there was X Revenue when it first released. I wonder why there's so much obsession there with, like, first day.
1: Yeah, the economics of art are very complicated. And a lot of people that create art, they do it for different reasons than you would go into business for consumer products. And I think that just where we're at in our society today, we're seeing a lot of, I guess like strife between the art and the economics of it. So, I mean, I would absolutely consider this game a piece of art. And I mean, it was an indie project, but like you said, I mean, so many of these AAA games, they take millions and millions and millions of dollars to make. They're made by thousands of people over, in some cases, three to 10 years, and just the scope and scale are so big. And when you have a project that costs that much, you have to really you know, have a marketing cycle. And I think that's why there's places like like the Game Informer and all of these like outlets like IGN, they have their games or they get games for free and they review them. and, And that kind of pushes the marketing cycle. You know, they talk about it, you know, they create content around it. And that's how they make money is through interactions with their site So the marketing aspect of it is definitely really interesting and in games because it's just such a new medium. The economics of it are kind of interesting. At least I think they're interesting. But I think it's games like this that can kind of be caught up in I guess the more negative aspects of that where maybe the people that picked it up at launch, if it hadn't had such a, a prominent marketing cycle or people didn't pick it up in an outlet, let's say maybe somebody would have come to it naturally a year later and they would have still had a blast with it like i did so yeah it's interesting maybe we can talk more about it (laughs) in another episode but
0: i guess that's a good segue into maybe my title which is one of those larger releases Mm -hmm. that really tie that first day it's very important to a developer like 2k to you know sell a lot in the beginning because they put so much money there's just so many people involved in the production of these games that it's important to them. And there's been recently a new development in NBA 2K23. There's been a new season, kind of like Fortnite. New season, Fortnite, <laughs> shots out to Fortnite. And now we're kind of going to Miami. That's kind of the theme that we're going for.
1: So does really quick, for the NBA 2K seasons, do they announce them or is it kind of just like? Like, is there, like, a schedule that you're going to get X amount of seasons when they release the game? They do announce
0: them. I think we're scheduled for six. Okay. And every season is kind of a different theme. We, we do know the theme ahead of time. We just don't quite know what the rewards are going to be, who the featured player is. You know, they don't give us too many details, but they do give us, like, overarching. We're going to Miami. We're going to New York. We're going to hawaii that's kind of what they go for so this time around it was new york and the featured player was tyler hero who was a, a young guy he's actually 23 just like i am he mm-hmm. just got sixth man of the year which is awesome okay. congratulations to him and now he's getting his that's debut awesome. a debut in the 2k game which i'm sure he probably plays himself it's probably really cool to like, play a game and you're being debuted in it. (laughs) Can't imagine what that's like. And, yeah, whether you're a new gen or a current gen player, you can, you know, there are different rewards. I really like how 2K supports, you know, two different kinds of communities, people who are still on the PS4 and the 360, and people who are on the next gen. And it seems to be, like, for the current gen, I can't really speak too much on their rewards, but I do know that they have this thing called a goat boat. A GOAT. Goat boat? boat? Yeah. <laughs> so it's it seems like a a big boat that you can travel around the city with and pick up friends and it's probably at top once you reach level forty, that's the max in the season. You can unlock that reward.
1: So curious Grace of all time, man. Curious to see what that <laughs> looks like. Goat boat. <laughs> so you don't necessarily know the rewards until until you get them. Or?
0: We do know the reward maybe like three days in advance. I would followed two K on Twitter, and they release ahead of time. Like this is what we're going for. Mm-hmm. And there's always a ton of controversy. People are like, these rewards are terrible. Like <laughs> that's what we got for this season. You know, I would agree. I think the rewards this season were a bit lackluster. At level ten, they give us a Hawaiian shirt. At level thirty-five, they give us a Nike Jaw one shoe shouts outs to John ja Morant for releasing his shoe he has his first iteration of that and the final reward this season is get this Blake it's a pocket bike like a little pocket bike? a little motorcycle that you can ride around the city with
1: like those those are like the small ones right? It's the really small ones yeah
0: <laughs> yeah it's it's interesting I
1: saw someone on one of those about a week ago <laughs> Yeah, it's,
0: especially around where, where you live in, in New York City, you'll definitely see a lot of pocket bikes. It's funny to see those. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: oh, that's funny, man. Do you have to pay for this, like, the season? Like, do you have to... Can you, I guess, like, grind and unlock it for free, or do you have to, like, shell out money for it? Or That's no?
0: a great question, because you don't. The seasons are free, and you might think that you would have to pay, but it seems like the 2K community... No, it gives me an opportunity to bring this up. Shouts out to the 2K community. They do a good job of expressing their, looking out for their own interests and looking out for speaking up for the game that they would like to have, right? So they debate with 2K and it seems like this is something that we stand on. Like we're not going to allow 2K to charge us for a new season to get
1: rewards. Because they're already, it's time- Right, like as soon as the season's over, like you can't get these anymore.
0: That's it, yeah. Once the season's over, you can't get these rewards anymore, which is a cool facet because if you get certain things, it makes it a little more rare, a little more valuable. For example, are you familiar with the Jabberwockies? There's a dance crew. Nah. It's a, a really famous dance crew known as the Jabberwockies. They wear masks and they have like mm-hmm. these really cool like uniforms and outfits and they perform mm-hmm. at halftime shows in the NBA. And I got like an all-white Jabberwocky outfit. And it's such a rare thing to have because it was like the very first season of 2K. And you had to reach level 40 to in order to unlock it. And very few people have it. So whenever I get in a lobby, people kind of just automatically assume that I'm really good at the game. Because I have that reward.
1: You so have the Jabberwocky skin?
0: It's like very rare. And people are like, that's, you know, if I play bad, people are like, oh, you're playing poorly for someone who has a Jabberwocky suit <laughs> it's just interesting to see how people tie rewards to kind of performance in the game you just really i got it because i played a lot in the first season i know you mm-hmm. remember i was just
1: playing 2k just grind it, man. You know, Just yeah just trying to get those rewards yeah i think i remember one that i was i like went to bed and right before i did i like checked my playstation app because i was debating if i was going to get a game on sale and then I woke up in the morning and I was like, you know, I think I'm going to get that. And when I went to bed, Brandon was on <laughs> playing 2K. And then when I got up in the morning, he was still on playing 2K. <laughs> yeah, I, was I don't know if he slept in between there, but... <laughs> I didn't. I probably didn't. It was, you know, the
0: earlier seasons of 2K, I was really grinding. This I kind of fell off there as I had a lot coming into my plate. But it's a really fun game if you've been in the community for a while, especially it seems like there's... A lot of support there, just a lot of history. And it's a lot of fun to just get on a, a game with a bunch of people and compete. So, yeah. season five yeah, this has is been really awesome. Season five has been really fun. I really like the theater, like the different types of games they've had in the theater. They've been doing 4v4 double dunks. So, if you get a dunk, it's like the trampolines on the courts. And if you get mm-hmm. a dunk off, it's four points, which is really cool. They also been doing the Mountain Dew charge zones. Some more. It's always
1: Mountain Dew, man. Some more marketing there.
0: <laughs> Mountain Dew does a lot of marketing video games. Man, I don't think I've ever bought <laughs> Mountain Dew. <laughs> Can you remember the last time you got in the Mountain Dew, Blake? Out of it.
1: It's been years. I think I got one for free in college at like an event, and I drank half of it, and I think I threw the rest away. <laughs> <laughs> There yeah. you go, know, man. Doesn't work. It doesn't. But the charge <laughs> Zones
0: is pretty fun. It's like an area on the court that brights red. And if you score there, it's one more point than it normally would be, which is pretty cool. The park has been a park as usual. That's something I like about the park is it's just always going to be there. Unlike the theater where there are like different revolving events. And what else in season five? I haven't really gotten it get as many rewards in season five yet i did get my hands on a hawaiian shirt which is pretty cool i don't think so that's just like it. instead
1: of a jersey you're rocking a hawaiian shirt
0: yep yep the whole theme is like you're in miami <laughs> <laughs> you're in miami vacationing i guess and you'd wear a hawaiian shirt gave me that's a decent idea
1: yeah i don't know man i mean sometimes i feel like with these live service games like sometimes the rewards can be a little lackluster when they they just feel like they're just to be there and
0: And apparently, Blake, a question you asked me earlier, if, you know, they let us know ahead of time, we do know how many rewards are going to be made. So I think the rewards are pre-made from the start. Like when the game first is out, there's already like the rewards for all of the seasons are already made. So it's not Mm -hmm. like somebody had to like figure it out within, they have like three weeks to like come up with it. It's already been thought up. And it's interesting to see how different seasons have better rewards like the first season typically has really good rewards so they really want to like hook you i guess but season five Mm -hmm.
1: is nearing the end so it seems like the rewards here are just yeah they use like all their ideas in the beginning how do you feel about these like live service games i mean like you paid a full 70 dollars for when this came out are you happy that you're still getting these updates or do you wish that you know, all of these updates, like all of the seasons, like you said they were there at at launch. Do you wish you could just kind of grind throughout the whole life cycle of the game? And I mean, do you like having the timed exclusives so that you can have something that somebody can't or? That's a good
0: question. I definitely do like having the timed exclusives. I think it offers another facet to the game, you know, just seeing where people level up in a given time frame. You know, I like to call people out when they're like, you've played this game so much because you're like level 33 at this point mm-hmm. and you're still playing pretty bad. Like it's just, <laughs> it's fun to do that. But yeah, back to that question. There's just, it's a quick turnaround time. I think a season is about 40 days and yeah, you, you either can hit it or miss it. You can get the rewards that you really want by grinding or you're just gonna have to wait to find a reward that's a little bit better. I'm imagining what it would be like if I just had access to all the rewards. I probably wouldn't be as interested in playing. Like, at a certain point, I would just feel like jaded because I'm not as far into it, Mm -hmm. if you will. Yeah. That's
1: a good question. Yeah. Sometimes I don't really love like the timed exclusives because there's a lot of like different games that I'd like to play. But when you come down to it, you really only have time to do one. Like, you can really (laughs) only pick one. Like, it's true. like you're playing 2K, like I'm still playing Fortnite. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it has a negative connotation to it, but man, I mean, it's so fun and everybody has it, but I'd love to play some Apex. And it's just like, if I get on Apex, it's it's like, man, I could be grinding towards my Fortnite battle pass right now. I feel like, and it's, I don't love that, like the timed exclusives. And I personally feel like it kind of creates like a toxic relation or it can be a toxic relationship with the game and i I don't like that like i feel like it doesn't necessarily serve the player
0: i could see that like like the night i was you know the nights i was grinding religiously trying to get rewards like that must that was not a healthy relationship with the game because i was just playing even when i like moments where i would probably want to be doing something else should be doing something else but i was just playing because You know, I really wanted to get to this reward. I wanted to get to this level. And, yeah, it can definitely lead to some negatives. But also thinking about... losing my train of thought here. Updates. You mentioned Mm -hmm. updates. It's something that I do really appreciate within the 2K community because it seems like there are people who are very experimental and are always finding little nooks and crannies to kind of, you know for lack of a better word expose the game like find holes like oh i can make this 3 every single time if i shoot it with this animation
1: mm-hmm. and
0: there have to be like balances like checks and balances and the updates allow for the gameplay to kind of stay balanced and not no one build or no one playstyle becomes too you know powerful in the game
1: mm-hmm. is that yeah, something like constant addition and subtraction yeah it kind of changes the game it changes it up so i guess in some ways that's more fair because you know if somebody's really good at one strategy you know that strategy might not work next week when they get on
0: right and like certain things that we like to call it in the 2k community we call it cheese like people Mm -hmm. just start to like cheese like a kareem abdul Abdul jabbar like hook move Mm -hmm. or another cheese move is when people run to the corner of the three-point line they do a fadeaway three and they get it like every time and also rim running like there are people who love absolutely love just dunking the ball and people like they'll just run in and like they'll get the dunk off no matter what and it's just (laughs) it's really cool too just to see how smart people are right people are able to figure that out in the game and, you know, run to it time and time again. And even when 2K does make these updates, people still somehow find a way to get back to that. It's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Is that something you notice within Fortnite at all? I'm curious.
1: No, not really, man. Because they really change it all the time. I guess there might be, as I said, like in Marvel Snap, there might be a better example. There, are, I mean, there's only a couple different strategies that you can use. And... I've been using the same strategy for like two or three seasons right now and it is busted and I just win all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so I run this card call here. Actually, man, I don't remember what it's called. I think it's like Zola or something. I don't remember what the first part of the name is, but it's like, it's the character from Marvel that's like, he was the Nazi under Red Skull that then oh. like, joined our side and like joined S.H.I.E.L.D. I know
0: I can visualize them. I just don't know their name. I hate when that happens.
1: Yeah, yeah, I know. It's Yeah, it's A-R-N-I-M. Arnim Zola. And basically, so what this card does is it, it destroys one of your cards and then it plays it. Oh, dude. It I plays have, two copies of it. Have you seen the newest, the latest Ant-Man? I have not. I haven't seen it.
0: Yeah, I said, have you played the latest Ant-Man? Have you seen the latest (laughs) Ant-Man? No, have you? I believe he's in this movie. I believe he's in...
1: I think there's another character. Actually, they featured him in Marvel Snap.
0: Yeah, Arnim Zola becomes the MODOK.
1: MODOK, yeah, I was going to... Yeah, that's crazy. I didn't realize that that was...
0: A true robotic killing interface machine with a holographic face, spider leg, razor legs, with countless of other abilities.
1: Yo, that's cool. I actually really got... I Here, I'm going to show you, Brandon. You'll be able to see this. This is a variant that I got of MODOK.
0: Oh, wow. <laughs> I love the art on that. That's so sick.
1: Yeah. That's how Marvel Snap gets me. They've got cool variants. <laughs> that's
0: awesome. That reminds me of League of Legends. They do a lot of that, too, where like they'll have a champion and they'll offer like a really sick variant of it.
1: Yeah, so I guess there are people like me who cheese Marvel Snap by using the same strategy, <laughs> but I mean there there really aren't that many strategies in Marvel Snap. I'm actually kind of starting to see see kind of the edges of it. There's really only so many things you can do, and they have like different series of cards. So like once you get through level one cards, you move on to level two cards, and once you get on or finish level two, then you move on to level three cards. And I, I think it's like a series of cards. And I think they have like up to series six and I'm still working on getting the series three cards. So I recently lost to a person that they just have like two or three cards that I want that I just don't have. And I'd like to add them to my decks for different strategies, but I just haven't unlocked those cards yet. So I'm kind of bumping up against the, oh man, like I just don't have the cards and I don't want to pay to get the cards and just like my time going into it is just starting to get a little bit more valuable than what I'm getting out of it. Yeah. So I'm playing a little bit less of Marvel snap. So with this past season, I didn't buy it until I unlocked everything and I unlocked everything or I unlocked the complete season within like a couple hours of it being over. And I was like, that's kind of weird. Like, cause I didn't get the enjoyment of, like, doing the whole season, but I also, like, didn't get the stress of, like, no, I'm like, I haven't paid for it yet, but if I get it all, then I'll buy it. So I'm kind of feeling like I'm not loving the exclusivity of the time <clears throat> for these rewards. I wish that you could just buy it, and then the season would always be there. That's kind of how I am I think I'm leaning. because I mean, then you still, I guess, progress through the season, and you can still get those harder rewards, but you wouldn't get those unless you actually played, like you put the time in, right. even if you put the time in like a year later, <laughs> yeah. you know? All right. Do you want to move on to the next game?
0: Yeah, let's, let's move on to, is it going to be horizon zero dawn?
1: Hell yeah, man. Awesome. <laughs> um, so I wanted to do, um, just kind of talk about the game and then do like a quick intro um, about the story and the vibe and then kind of talk about the gameplay of it. So, This game was a PlayStation 4 exclusive, and it has since been released on PC and Steam. So it was a PlayStation exclusive, and PlayStation released it. So you can get it on pretty much anywhere except Xbox, but you can get it if you have a PC. I am not playing it on my Steam Deck. I am playing it on my PlayStation. And I was really excited for this game. This game was actually one of the games that I was most excited for. To play on PlayStation when I got my PS5. (laughs) And I'm finally getting around to it almost two years later. (laughs) But that's how it is, man. It's an open world third person action RPG. And it's set in the distant future of Earth um, post-apocalypse. And the world is populated by these huge metallic robot creatures that resemble dinosaurs And all of humanity lives in these tribal societies. And there are remnants, and ruins of our society that are being reclaimed by the wilderness. And I believe that these ruins, these ruins of our society are are cursed. And they're prohibited by law for you to enter. And like the law of your tribal society. And as a child, you fall into a, a ruin of an old bunker and you come across this piece of technology. It kind of looks like an earbud or kind of like one of those like telemarketer things that you put in your ear like with like a mic. And it's kind of just like a triangle that fits in her ear and she calls it an echo. And she takes this piece of technology off of a corpse and she finds that she can use this technology and it works for her. And apparently nobody else is able to use this technology or, or knows of it. And you specifically, you live in a matriarchal society, but for some reason, unknown to you, you were cast out as a child and your father figure was also cast out because he chose to raise you. And in this society, being an outcast is very literal. You were literally cast out and you are no longer a part of the tribe. And it's against the law to speak to outcasts. So essentially, you're worse than a second-class citizen. If you see somebody in the tribe, they're just supposed to ignore you and pretend you don't exist. So for her whole life, this child has only really been able to talk to other outcasts, and she's just not a part of the tribe. But because she was outcast as a child, she has the right to participate in their coming-of-age test or challenge called the Proving. And... If you can complete the Proving, you can rejoin the tribe. But if you win the Proving, and this is just open to anyone who enters the Proving, whoever wins is granted a boon by the matriarchs. So essentially, you can ask the leaders of your tribe for any wish, and they're supposed to grant it to you. So you win the Proving, you participate in the Proving, you win the Proving. And right after you win the Proving, you're ambushed by a rival nation and they slaughter all of the other participants. But you survive. And when you wake up, the tribe has sent a war party after the other nation. And you, the winner of your proving, you ask for your boon. And you ask to know why you are cast out. And they don't tell you. <laughs> so then you're made a seeker, which means you have the blessing to leave the sacred lands of your nation, which... Nobody else has this privilege. You're allowed to leave the lands and this all happens in the first hour. And this is where the game begins and your call of action is to discover your fate and uncover why you were cast out, uncover who you are, but also to uncover the mystery of how the world came to be this way. And of course you're armed with just a bow and a spear. And you have to kill these ginormous robot dinosaurs because it's a video game. So <laughs> it's pretty it's awesome. cool. But It's also like the story is just kind of crazy. I feel like it took me a long time to lay out what all happened. But <laughs> because right off the bat, do you have any questions?
0: Yeah. What is a boon given to you by the matriarchs?
1: So it's just like, uh I hear, let's see, what's the definition of a boon? It's just like you ask for something. It's like a, a wish. Okay. A thing that is helpful or beneficial is the definition of a boon. Yes, yeah, so there's a thing that is helpful or beneficial. So you ask for a boon. So you usually just, that's kind of like the reward for getting first. You have a ask a request.
0: And what level are you on this game? I know the max level is 60. So how far have you <laughs> gone
1: up? I'm over 10 hours into this. I think I'm around 12 hours. I think I'm level 18. And you know, it's a, like I said, it's an RPG. So there's a huge skill tree working my way through it. I recently unlocked these little things. I guess they're little skills, you know, it's a skill tree. I can now, if I'm on a rope, I can shoot the bow while I'm on a rope. So it's a very helpful, helpful skill there. (laughs) <laughs> so I think there's like four, five, or six levels, and I'm making my way through the tier two levels. Okay.
0: And are you familiar at all with the ghost levels? I saw that and I was intrigued. Like, what? Are-
1: no, I've got no idea what that is. I guess ask me in another sixty hours. On. <laughs> <laughs> but I just wanted to touch on the visuals really quick because this game is absolutely visually so stunning, man. Like the world is absolutely incredible like the sunsets, the landscapes, the enemies, it is incredibly pretty. It's truly a triple A open world game and it really looks the part. And I have been tempted a couple times to go into photo mode, but I just want to keep playing. So I've, I've kind of just suppressed that urge, but I will probably do that as soon as I come to like a really cool space. But I really wanted to touch on the gameplay a little bit but I wanted to first just touch on the story. Obviously, in that intro, I'm actually really fascinated by the story. There's a lot there. It's one of the most intriguing video game stories I've experienced in a while. And I really just want to know what happened to the world. And I think this like sci-fi tribal society is really fascinating. And it's really cool to experience. Your relationship with the other characters is very interesting. But for me personally, I think the combat leaves a little to be desired. At first, it took forever to get through these encounters. And it sure did feel like I was trying to kill a robot dinosaur with a bow and arrow. Because (laughs) they just, these combat encounters overstayed their welcome in the beginning. And then I realized I was supposed to be shooting off different parts of the robot because they're highlighted in a different color but I'm colorblind and I did not notice that until far too late into the journey. And I went into the settings to try and try and fix that to like change the colorblind settings. They did not have any, unfortunately. So then I did some more research and there was a recommendation online to just set the game to easy. And when you set the game to easy, it just gives your attacks more power and it gives you more health. So essentially you don't have to heal, but your attacks are more powerful so it basically just shortens the combat experiences because whenever you shoot an arrow, it just does more damage. It's like the equivalent of shooting two or three arrows. Oh And even still, man, some of these combat encounters, they they take a while. And, like, I'll shoot – I mean, I'll shoot a robot dinosaur with close to 30 arrows, and I'll be like, man, like, how, like how, much, more, how much more can he take? <laughs> <Yeah. That's laughs> but, I mean, you have a bow. So – I personally I don't love that aspect of it, and there is an element of the game that I don't really, I'm not really utilizing. Like you have these stealth tools, and there's a way that you use your like focus, like this ancient technology, and you can see the pet like the general path that these creatures will walk in. But for me, I was just like that. Just just kind of removes the whole mystery of it. Like if I know where they're gonna walk. I see they're walking in a loop, and I don't know, it kind of just broke my immersion. Because, mm. like, of course, it's a video game, and you know this enemy is going to do something, and it's going to probably repeat it, depending on my actions. But right. I was like, man, if I don't do anything, I can see that this dinosaur robot is just going to walk in a circle forever. And for me, I just thought that really wasn't interesting. So... I have not really been engaging with the like the stealth combat of this game. Actually I haven't really been engaging with the combat at all because well actually I mean I have to do a ton of it, but I set the game to easy so it kinda of shortens it up. So I'm enjoying the game, but I'm not loving it, but I also will just find myself putting hours into it at a time. So it's certainly worth playing, certainly worth experiencing. But I also wanted to compare this game to Breath of the Wild. But I also want to compare it to another game as well. So this this game kinda of really reminds me of Skyrim. Ooh. And which is it's really cool. You have so many side quests, like the world is beautiful. You're in this place that has this great vibe to it. And you can just go and do a ton of side quests. You can explore endlessly like there's just so much to do and I really like that about it and when you talk to characters it kind of pulls you into that like Skyrim like cutscene kind of like first person view where it's like you're just looking at this person's face and learning about the other nations and talking to other people and like what you can do when you encounter different tribes it really reminded me of Skyrim and I think that's kind of it's best part, but also it's Achilles heel. It's an excellent example of these Western-style RPGs. And I guess so, so to get into it a little bit, this game was released in February 8th or February 28th of 2017. And it's a while back. Just, it was a while back. And four days later on March 3rd in 2017, Breath of the Wild was released. And we've kind of talked about it on the show before that Breath of the Wild kind of changed the conventions of how you view an open world game just because you can do anything. Like you can climb any surface, you can jump off any surface. The game really lets you experiment and explore. And in Horizon, you can't climb up a a mountain. Like you kind of have to do the Skyrim jank where you kind of hop and. Maybe you can make it to the next rock if you, you know, run, sprint, and then jump. And it doesn't really aid you in traversal. But everything on this open plane, you know, that's all free game and you can explore that. But you're not really invited to experiment with your exploration as much. And I just think it's interesting because just how Breath of the Wild just kind of changed how I think about that. And how changed my expectations of what to expect in an open world game. And there's a lot of comparisons to this online. Because like we've said, for whatever reason, people play games when they release. (laughs) So these games were being played at the same time um, for a lot of people. And just the stark contrast to them, I think is really interesting. And in the second game, the second Horizon game, they did add like a glider. Kind of like in, in Breath of the Wild, you can jump off. So, I mean, they, they did make these improvements. But at the same time, uh, here, I, I guess I'll tell you this, Brandon. So, <laughs> that game was Horizon Forbidden West. And that release date was February 18th of 2022. And then seven days later, on February 25th, Elden Ring was released. Ooh. So, this <laughs> no. this game has had... <laughs> You
0: said that game and then the game of the year. Like, it's like,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I mean, the comparison between the two isn't unavoidable just because they came out so close. Yeah. And, you know, both of these games did something to break the convention of open world games like Breath of the Wild with this experimentation yeah. and exploration and Elden Ring for just the non linearity of it and just letting you go wherever. These games kind of contrast with those play styles a little bit. And then I think that's kind of interesting. I mean, you kind of got to meet the game for what it is though. And, you know, for being a, a game like Skyrim in one of these Western RPGs, like it's, it's really good. And I may one of the best I've played just cause there's just so much to do. It's so beautiful. And, you know, it is fun shooting the bow. I wish that I felt like I liked the combat a little bit more and maybe I will later in the game. But I think it's interesting to kind of have all of these games in the same conversation.
0: Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, you mentioned some huge titles, Breath of the Wild, Elden Ring, Skyrim. If it's similar to these games, it's definitely a title worth checking out. Yeah. I have a question on the combat. Is the bow Mm -hmm. the only weapon you can use?
1: No, so you have a bow, and then I have another bow that can... So I've got one bow that can shoot regular arrows and one bow... or So it shoots regular arrows and fire arrows. So there's like an elemental aspect to it as well. And then I have another bow that shoots shock arrows. And I saw that I can upgrade that to where it can shoot another type of arrow. I don't necessarily know what that other type of arrow would be. It might just be fire, or it might be something else. There's also like... I have a slingshot and I can shoot these electrical bombs and I have like a trip wire, but I don't really use those other two because I think I mentioned they're kind of like stealth weapons where you can kind of use them as like if you're approaching the dinosaur like you see where they like where they're going to walk. You can throw a trip cable down and then they'll step on it and they'll get electrocuted. Also, you have a spear, so it's kind of like a melee weapon. So you kind of like do like a baseball bat kind of swing and you can unlock in the skill tree like a stab. So I guess there's like stealth weapons and then the melee weapon.
0: That's awesome. So you have a bow melee and then you have a knife that's a melee weapon?
1: Yeah, it's like a spear, like a staff kind of. Like okay. It's like the size of a baseball bat, kind of. Okay. Yeah, it's kind of weird, but I pretty much just find myself using the bow and the melee And you can do, like, dodge rolls. Like, so if, like, a robot dinosaur is charging you, you can do, like, a dodge roll out of the way and then hit them with your melee. And I just saw on my skill tree that one of my next unlocks is going to be I can, like, knock over an enemy with my melee. So there's, like, a way I can do a melee and it kind of, like, knocks the dinosaur off their feet if I hit them right. So there's no, like, parry, but you can, like, stagger an enemy.
0: That's awesome. I'm thinking about the robotic dinosaurs, so how many different species of robotic dinosaurs are there? And also, are there any other things that you're defeating enemy types?
1: Yeah, so there's a ton. There are so many of these different robot dinosaurs. Like, they take all kinds of forms. And I think that the game's actually done a really good job of introducing different types as I get further on. I mean, obviously, there is some repetition. Like, you'll see on your map where there's, like, a herd of this type or, like, there's a group of this type but I'm still encountering new types and there are some that are really powerful and some that are, are kind of like grunt and there are some that work in tandem with each other. So it's actually, it's very varied and I have been stumbling across some pretty cool ones. So that, that is cool. That's a cool aspect of it, but the map is just littered with them. So it's kind of like you have to be in stealth mode the whole time. Otherwise you're going to be constantly getting in, in fights and I wish they were spread out just a little bit more. But you're also fighting other tribes. Like I said, like you're proving at the beginning, like you were ambushed by another nation and they killed a lot of your people. And you're right now I'm on kind of a revenge quest and I'm taking out camps of, of this other nation. And you also have like other people of other nation, the nations that you're killing as well. So, and they shoot back at you with like bows and stuff, so that can be kind of fun to do that and do like stealth kills in and, and that way, which is very fun.
0: Stealth, in general, in a video game, I, if done right, I feel like is, can add a whole other facet to it.
1: I think that this game is has a lot of tools for that. Me, personally, Blake, I'm not enjoying it as much, but I, I think that that is an aspect of it that a lot of people do enjoy and it, there are a lot of tools for that kind of gameplay. So if you like stealth in a video game, this is certainly one to check out. I'm personally not really engaging with that as much, but but I guess I guess that's my choice. So it's interesting.
0: So there's two iterations, Horizon's Forbidden West, which is more recent, and then there's Zero Dawn,
1: which is the one you're playing. Which is yeah, there's a 2017 game, Horizon Zero Dawn. And I guess that the 2022 game, Horizon Forbidden West, is a, a direct sequel. So it takes place right after the story events of this game, which I don't know. Sorry, I had not been spoiled on what the main, I guess, plot is. But I guess I'm pretty sure, and I'm not going to spoil it, but I'm pretty sure that when you get to the end of this game, you find out how the world became this way. And then I think in the second game you're further investigating that. Mm. But I mean I don't know for sure, but I guess that's my speculation.
0: Interesting. It sounds like a fascinating world I'd love to jump into it. I've seen so much like promo for it on the PlayStation store. There's been a lot of marketing for both of those titles. So
1: Yeah, and they're they're fun. They're really interesting. Like the place and setting is really cool. I mean, I guess I wish I wish I liked the combat a little bit more, but I'm still really enjoying it for what it is. And one of the parts that I think kind of hurts me a little bit is I I love bow combat. And just for whatever reason, I'm not finding it super satisfying in this game.
0: Mm.
1: I don't know why that is. Maybe it will change.
0: Are you playing this on the PS4 or PS5?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm playing this on the PS5.
0: But the 2017 version, was it's really more of a PS4 port on the PS5, right?
1: Yes, actually, I am playing the PS4 version of the
0: game. So it doesn't really have the, like, remote features, because I'm thinking, like, the bow...
1: Yeah, it doesn't have, like, the dual-sense capabilities. The bow would
0: probably feel really, like, satisfying if it had that, you know, you just kind of felt like the vibration, or, you know, it felt like you were actually pulling something back. It's interesting. Yeah,
1: yeah, I wonder how that would feel. I guess maybe I'll I'll console with somebody that's played that on the... I guess there is a PS5 version, but I was able to, through my PlayStation subscription, get this PS4 version for a discounted price. So
0: so Forbidden West would be the PS5 version, right? Yeah,
1: that's correct. That's okay. So I'm curious. I think I might want to pick that one up. But I guess, from what I hear, it is a direct sequel. So I guess all the mystery of the first game will be lost if you pick it up, because I guess it it just kind of tells you what happens, and... I think that the story is really interesting on its own, so I think it's probably worth, at least from my experience, I think it's going to be worth playing through the first one. And I've been having a good time, despite the criticism and the the comparison to other games. I think it's a, a great title, and I've really enjoyed playing it.
0: That's amazing. Thank you for bringing that game to the pod, Blake. I know it's not the first time you've mentioned Horizon Zero Dawn either. We've definitely talked about it before.
1: Yeah, I think I had maybe mentioned it on an episode before, and I, I picked it up, and then, I mean, like I said, there's a lot that kind of goes into the first couple hours of this, and it it really just, it like, lore dumps, there's, like, a ton of tutorializations, a ton of cutscenes, and that just drove me up a wall. <laughs> me, personally, I, I just want to jump into the game, yeah. and I didn't love that, so I had to find my way back to it a couple times, but I, I have been playing it, it pretty steady, and... I've really enjoyed what I've put into it so far.
0: It seems like quite the cast. I'm looking at some of the cast the people in the game. I see some pretty like popular names like John McMillan, Lance mm-hmm. Riddick. I've seen him in some stuff. Ashley Birch. Seems like they really put a lot into the cast and like the acting.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. I haven't seen a single person so far that I've recognized, but maybe I will later down the line. Yeah, Leslie. When she looks familiar too. Yeah. But, I mean, it's a great experience. We're definitely worth picking up. Awesome. Well, did you have anything else, Brandon?
0: I think that was all for me, just some 2K. Yeah, I haven't, yeah, I haven't yeah. really had an opportunity to play too much, but definitely going to have some more titles coming for you guys soon.
1: Any updates on Hogwarts Legacy? you still level 10?
0: No, I actually I progressed a bit more. Definitely check out the prior episode. I give some more insight into where I'm at. But I recently became a dueling champion at my okay. school so I, nice. I kept on with that underground fighting club i played that quest all the way through because it was so much fun and i became the champion there and it was interesting to see how i didn't need to go do any more side quest or anything to like level up to get stronger i just had to
1: you could of, just
0: do the one thing i just kind of had to get better at you know understanding the mechanics and dodging in time you know, just a better, a better player on the game.
1: So that was cool. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm really excited to pick it up, especially after, you know, listening to Mark and Edgar talk about it. I really want to pick that game up, but I'm gonna wait till the fall. I'm gonna wait yeah. till I'm in a more, more school Hogwarts mood. type of mood. That was very interesting <laughs> yeah. how you described that to me. It's, I think that's cool. Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like if I'm gonna if I'm gonna role play as a student, I want it to kind of fit the time of year that I would be. Going to school, I don't know. Yep, I'm excited to talk about that in the future. But I guess again, huge shout out to Mark and Edgar for joining us for that episode. Or I guess I wasn't there, but uh, for stepping in for me, yep. really appreciate that and excited to have you guys back on sometime soon. And thanks for joining me, Brandon. <laughs> if you want to support the Sticky Buns Podcast, the best way you can support us is to share it with a friend. We're also on TikTok and Instagram, and we have a Patreon as well. So thank you to all our existing patrons. And if you'd like to support us for as little as $1, you can do that on Patreon, and it helps us fund the show. Editing costs is really what it goes to. So thank you so much to all of our existing patrons for making this possible. Thank
0: you guys so much for supporting us. Like Blake said, you can find us on all of those platforms. And definitely tune in to our last episode. That was a really, really fun episode to make. Shout out to Mark and Edgar again for you know subbing in for that we definitely we'll see more guests on the podcast coming soon yeah i've
1: got some guests lined up not to say too much but also i want to plug our youtube really quick brandon because i made a youtube video about the game boy pocket and i have some footage there of the game boy that i modded and that process so if you'd like to check that out that's on our youtube the sticky buns podcast so i guess thanks for tuning in that's all i have Thank you so much. Peace in the streets. All right, bye.